We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Again for tuning in. This is the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by Frances Tomas and Dan Hilton. We're delighted you're here to listen to an opinionated take on the hottest breaking stories from Camp No. Thank you to all who have already visited the Barcelona Podcast to subscribe, comment, and support the show in the many ways that you do by taking advantage of the many deals we offer. As we get started, Frances, we want to start by thanking our fans for helping us out. We've got a ton of feedback this week, and that allows us to continue to answer fan questions. But before we get to the fan questions, we've got to hit some of the big stories from the Camp Nou this week. Without a doubt, we are here to talk about Philippe Coutinho, who has been hitting the headlines this week, particularly into the Neymar story that we discussed in our previous three episodes. Then we're going to go into Xavi Simons, who is an upcoming youngster, and we're going to look at what it means to a player to grow up in La Masia, a player in this day and age, uh, different from the Iniesta years. And then we're just going to dive in into the fashion question. So let's get started. The first name you had talked about was Philippe Coutinho. And now continue to try to hypothesize. You can name everybody in the world as to if Neymar is eventually sold to PSG. What players will replace him? Well, Coutinho, this story is quite complicated because no matter when you're listening to this in the next week, it's not that Philippe Coutinho is a replacement for Neymar, but it looks like Barcelona is hoping to bring in Coutinho, a fellow 25-year-old Brazilian, to help keep Neymar at the club. The most recent story that's come out is that Liverpool, who do not want to sell Coutinho, they've already rejected bids of more than $70 million, so that's continuing to raise the price on a player like Philippe Coutinho, who a few years ago you'd say Coutinho, you saw that his market value even three years ago with the market that it was, he was only a player who was worth about $30 million. And now he's a player that you talk about getting away from Liverpool for a total that could reach about $100 million. And whether or not Coutinho is worth that much, well, that's not really necessarily for me to decide. That's for the clubs making those transactions to decide. But apparently Liverpool might be able to lower that price a little bit if Barcelona were able to include Rafinha or Andre Gomez. Now, Coutinho, being pretty versatile, can play at left wing. And while Barcelona does see him as a replacement for Andres Iniesta in the middle of the field... And stop me if you've heard that before, is Barcelona looking for a replacement for Iniesta, or Xavi in particular. 
13 goals last season for Coutinho with seven assists in the Premier League, plus one goal in the League Cup and three at the Copa America with Brazil. He's a midfielder who's been rated quite a bit higher on whoscored.com, which is where we usually look for our different match ratings and for the exact statistics that you and I usually use. He's a guy that's highly rated more as a midfielder than he is as a forward, and that kind of does tell you that he fits a little bit more into what Barcelona want to use him for. Yeah, I think Coutinho would be a great addition for Barca as well. Um, I like the fact that he already knows Neymar inside out. Let's not forget they've gone through the Brazilian youth system pretty much together for a huge number of years. And uh, even Neymar is to stay, which <laughs> whenever you hear these podcasts may have changed because you know things change every two, three minutes um, regarding the Neymar saga. But um, if Neymar was to stay at Barca, then... Coutinho will be a perfect partner for him, not just within the pitch, but um, in the wider sort of dressing room and the fact that they could support each other and, and help each other in terms of Coutinho will be the adaptation to the Camp Nou and Neymar will be having a fellow countryman to discuss things with and uh, someone he's got a great understanding with. Looking back at what Coutinho could offer on the pitch, I really love the fact that he's very pacey, he's really really agile and his dribbling ability helps him get away from tight marking, which, let's face it, is something that Barca midfielders will be faced with um, whenever they play. Um, I like the fact that he's been compared to Ronaldinho, uh, who is a player that had a huge impact at Barca. You could say he changed Barca's history, so having a player who is even remotely compared to Ronaldinho can only be a good thing. And I really like the fact as well that he's been excellent for Liverpool for a number of years now, um, in the last three seasons, he's played a considerable amount of games, something around 130 games in, in three seasons. His goal scoring is not tremendous, but you know, let's not forget that we're talking about a midfielder who loves coming back from the second line, pushing forward and associating in order to, to reach the goal. Um, altogether, he scored um, 34, games, uh, 34 goals in the last three seasons. So it would be great to see um, him sort of developing Barca further and developing himself as a player as well. Without a doubt, will be a very welcome addition. But another worry about this story, Francis, is very much like the Marco Verratti stuff, is that the manager of Liverpool, Jurgen Klopp, of course, formerly of Borussia Dortmund and now of Liverpool, has said he's not in charge of a selling club and Liverpool do not want to sell Coutinho. I think they see him as, if not their most important, one of their top most important players so if you're Liverpool, why would you possibly want to part with Coutinho? And for Liverpool, putting up that price, they really have nothing to lose. They just continue to try to get more money out of Barcelona. And Barcelona don't have an upper hand in this negotiation either. No, but the thing is, that, that's normal. I think if, if players want to come to Barca, they really have to push for it. And that is the same with um, with Neymar when he, you know, he's been involved with PSG and Gareth Bailey, even when he joined Madrid, it depends on how much the player wants to be with us. If he decides to take advantage of his situation and speak to his club and say, look, I really, really want this move, then there's a possibility that it will happen. And Barca do have the money to invest on a player of his caliber, of a sort of midfielder starter, but it just depends on how much he wants it. You know, we, we could be talking about a different player in every single podcast here, but unless they really, truly want to come to us, then it's just not going to happen. But um, what I'm trying to say is that 
the ball, same with Neymar, same with um, Bale when he pushes tran transfer to Madrid, it's on Coutinho's, for, uh, on Coutinho's side, and if he wants to come to us, he needs to push, and if he doesn't, then he can stay at Liverpool. But what I am saying is that if he wanted to come to us, and he said in a couple of occasions that, you know, buses are a great club and, you know, all the normal spiel in there, um, he will welcome him with open arms, but it depends on him. Yeah, and much like a lot of the other ones we've talked about, Verratti, etc., if Coutinho were to come to Barcelona, I would not expect that kind of move to be done until right about near the end of the transfer window. Well, speaking of players that are at Barcelona now, but not one that many people have heard of, and I'm giving too much away with this kind of tease, Frances, but the player we're talking about is Xavi Simons. And for those who don't know, he's a 13-year-old wonderkin, current captain of the under-14 side at Barcelona in the academy. He's a recent teenager with over 300,000 Instagram followers. He's being told by coaches, by parents, by everybody around him that he's going to reach the first team someday. And there's so much to unpack with this in that not only have Chelsea been tracking him since 2014, but he's a player that at the ripe old age of 13 is basically known worldwide now. He's no longer a secret at Barcelona. And Frances, there are tons of problems about talking about Xavi Simons and hyping a 13-year-old too much, but I'd like to hear what you think of this. I'm really happy that this story has surfaced in, in recent times because Xavi, and Xavi is named Xavi after Xavi, obviously. Um, Xavi has been playing at Barca for four or five years now, and um, he has played on TV in the Canal Plus um, tournament that is shown in, in, in Spain every summer and every winter for Alevines, which are nine and ten year olds. And yeah, I think it's, imp it's really sort of, it's an eye-opener to see a player of his age having 300,000 followers on Instagram. It's, um, it's a completely different ballgame. When Iniesta, when Xavi, when Guillermo Amor, when, say, Pep Guardiola were going through La Masia, the only way they could get famous is if they jumped on the pitch while they were ball boys. So the, the, ball, the, the times have changed completely. This is a boy that obviously is fa fantastic at football. He's at the right club in order to develop. But um, whenever he goes to play against, I don't know, San Gabriel or Dam or Granollers, or Gabá, or Cornellà, or any of the other local teams in Catalonia, the rivals are taking photos with him. And not just that, you've got the opponent's parents going on the pitch after games, trying to get either his autograph or photos with him. So with all of that around, it is, it is quite puzzling to see that he actually seems to have his head in the right place, which is something that Gerardo Lofeo didn't manage to do while he was growing up. So um, I think it comes back to the fact that Chubby's dad was a professional footballer in the early 2000s. Um, he was particularly successful, played at professional level, and I think that having that support at home is helping Chubby Simons, not the other Chubby, obviously, um, keeping his feet firmly on the ground. But it is, it is mind-blowing to see how the world has changed in the last 15, 20 years. So, Frances, when you sent me the story, I basically made a pro and con chart of the good things about knowing about a player like this and all the negative that come with knowing about a player like this. As you had mentioned, his father, Regilo Simons, is not Spanish. Xavi is 
and this being Xavi Simons, of course, is not Spanish. He's Dutch, as he is a son of a former footballer who spent his basically his entire career playing in the Netherlands. And Rigillo, however, being a Barcelona fan, he and his wife Peggy named their son after, as you had mentioned, Xavi Hernandez, of course. And Xavi Simons, as you had also mentioned, came over, didn't start necessarily at Barcelona. He came over from Villarreal at 7, but he has now spent the majority of his footballing time at La Masia. As you've seen from youth levels, that certain players just have that special talent where they can always play levels up, where when they're 6 years old, they can play with the U9s. When they're 9 years old, they can play with the U12s. When they're 13, etc., etc., they can play with the U16s. And so for young players like that that are pushed hard, it's great to push them and see how good they can get, and that's how you get those top world-class talents. Now, as I had mentioned about the Chelsea interest in the player all the way since 2014 when he was just 10 years old, it's probably more devastating to lose a player like that for Barcelona's ego than it might actually be to lose the player because dominant players at the youth level, and you can probably attest to this more because you've seen more of the La Masia talents over the years, youth players can be dominant at certain levels and then their games don't translate the older they get to higher and different levels now Xavi Simons is not the biggest player so whether or not he fills into his body as he ages as a teenager is yet to be seen but part of it is that we know he has that natural technical ability and that talent and the mind to play the game but it's whether or not as you had talked about you can kind of keep him shrouded from that limelight just enough to keep him humble keep him hungry and keep him motivated as he continues to age Again, from just a general perspective, it's dangerous when you put teenagers in the spotlight like this. It, it puts, I think, the players and them as people at great risk to have a, a warped understanding of the world. But as we had mentioned, the best part of it is the fact that his father has been down this road before. And I think his father is the best example of someone who can keep the player grounded and keep him understanding that he has to continue to improve at his own pace. And he can't really get too overinflated into trying to do other things other than just worrying about his football. The one bright side I'll say to all of this, Frances, is that having a player like him known that he's at La Masia and having other clubs around the world pining to bring him into their academies, that tells you that La Masia still has, of all the criticism we've been giving it, it still has the ability to churn out potential top-level talent and, and teenagers that are known the world over because of just how dominant they are at the youth levels. So I think this is a huge credit to the coaching staffs and the youth academy and the fact that La Masia, as we had mentioned, is continuing to churn out talents. We just have to be patient, and more importantly, you just have to hope that Barcelona can not promise the player that he'll be in the first team, but promise the player that his footballing education continuing at Barcelona is the best place for that player. Yeah, agreed. I think that it all comes down to how much the family values being at Barca. Because um, it is obvious that whenever Xavi plays, there's going to be agents coming you know, from under stones trying to sort of lure him away from the Camp No, And um, I only expect that sort of insistence to become even larger when he hits 16, 17. Because let's not forget, the moment that children get to 18 years old, um, Barca are actually entitled, actually allowed legally to give him a contract. So it is really important that Xavi's dad, in particular, um, tries to keep him away from, from the hands of other clubs if he really values to stay with us, which hopefully hopefully he does. I just want to read a quote from him, which um, will throw a bit of light into 
the, the reality of what these kids going through. Um, Chavis that says, agents are everywhere. Even at a younger age, they were starting to approach me making offers constantly, asking to be agents, offering shoes, contracts, money, anything that you can imagine. This, this is the world of football now. It just cannot be stopped. For a lot of parents, it must be difficult. And this is the point I'm making. You know? For a lot of parents, it must be difficult. And that's why players such as um, Garcia or Mbula end up leaving because parents are not used to this environment. They're offered a lot of money and they say, yeah, all right, let's do it now. Um, had they stayed at Barca, they probably would have achieved success here. But that, that is a very important point. Continuing with the quote here, he says, it happens fast and if you're looking to, for money and clubs, they're offering it and in very large amounts. So it makes sense to say yes. He says, we don't need any of that just now. We're trying to give them away in a polite way Xavi's development is the most important thing and we want him in the right surroundings. And even if we need to move, it is the development that's important, not the money. And um, this is me talking now, the quote is finished. Um, I just think that Xavi staying at Barca is good for the club because he raises the profile of La Masia being successful, as you pointed out. But also it is fantastic for him because it is a world-renowned academy that um, has a winning nature in which the most important thing is nurturing the player, not just as someone who can kick a ball around a football pitch, but actually adding the values and sort of instilling that love for respect, for teammates, for even respecting rivals. So I think having someone of this talent at such an early age thinking along those lines is very positive. And uh, I would say it should be an example for the rest of the kids who, for whatever reason, when he gets to 16, 17, they start having sort of cold feet. They think and, and look ahead at the first team and say, right, I'm not going to replace Messi, so I may as well go. I'm not going to be the next Gerard Pique, so let's see what Monaco is offering me. And uh, having Xavi Simons that someone who knows the, the world of football so well, talking in this manner is quite encouraging. So applauding him, really. Yeah, hopefully with a player like Xavi Simons, Francis, I would hope that we don't actually have to talk about him again for another four or five years. And that the next time you hear his name is you hear him dominating when he's 16, 17 and worthy of coming up to Barcelona B. And then after maybe a year there, then at you know, 18, 19, he's already almost breaking into the first team, making appearances, things like that. So I would prefer if we didn't have to talk about a player like this for a while. But as we talked about, he's being watched day to day by tons of followers. He already has tons of fans. And he's just a teenager. So again, all the onus and the hope that we have is that his parents continue to lead him down the right path. And hopefully that path continues from a selfish perspective on our end is we hope that path continues at Barcelona. Well, we go right into the fan questions from talking about Xavi Simons to talking again about the first team. And we've got a fan question from, we'd say, one of our most devout followers and we really do appreciate the feedback we've gotten from him and some of the questions he constantly asks and that's Matthew Lazardi who says I know they have been touched on briefly but can you talk about how the addition of Nelson Semedo is really huge for the squad in more ways than one if it truly allows Sergi Roberto to move back to midfield and with the expected improvements of Denise Suarez and Andre Gomez even though some people just write them off after one season where they barely saw the pitch I feel like the apparent need for a player like Ferrati might be a bit overstated. Yes, he is an amazing world-class player and probably has some of that Blagrana DNA, but as I said last time, Barca are not that far off from retaking the league in the UCL. 
Roberto is a La Masia player who has the Blagrana DNA, no doubt, and I think the addition of Semedo and the potential move of number 20 back to midfield might just be all the team needs to get back to the top of the table. Frances, I think you would agree. Would love to hear you talk about this more. So, Matthew, would love to hear from you, Frances, about this, about whether or not Semedo can truly push Sergi Roberto back into the midfield and be a quality right back that the team has now been missing for about a year since Danny Alves left. Well, that, that is the plan, um, and that is what we've seen in preseason so far as well. So you've got Alej Vidal and Semedo sort of fighting for the right-back spot, and uh, Sergio Roberto is not even in the question for the right-back spot anymore, which in turn is strengthening the midfield. So from, from that point, it is great to have Semedo adding depth to the squad. Um, based on what we've seen in preseason so far, it is it's quite sort of... How can I say? Not, I'm not really sure that Semedo is actually going to be starting because Alex Vidal has been doing very well so far. He's been particularly good attacking, um, providing his teammates around him and obviously he understands the system better. So Semedo, despite being a new signing, has to sort of accelerate his adaptation if he wants to be a regular starter because Vidal, and I'm very, very pleased to be saying this, has actually stepped up his game after the summer and after a season of difficulty because, you know, didn't play much under Luis Enrique. And then when around December, January, February time, when he was getting back into the team, was hit with a really nasty injury. So I think having Semedo and Alej Vidal pushing each other for a starting position can only make both of them better. And depth is what Barca was lacking last year. So having them fighting for that spot is only going to make things better. As for Sergio Roberto... I am delighted that he has been moved forward and I think that he's got everything that a Barca um, interior needs, which is vision, being able to associate with people around him, understanding positioning in terms of sort of opening up to the flank whenever needed, um, understanding that he's going to have normally Jordi Alba or in the other side it would be probably Vidal or Semedo as we just mentioned, zooming past him and um, being able to associate himself in that respect so let's just see what Sergio Roberto can do but without a doubt he's got all the qualities that a midfield needs and I am delighted to have him um, in the question and and in the discussion at this moment in time so let's keep that up. My favorite part of Sergio Roberto's game probably isn't a a skill if you will or a talent but it seems over the past few seasons Frances that whether he was playing midfield or right back as we saw even last season against PSG in that miraculous comeback, that Roberto certainly has the flair for the dramatic goal. He doesn't score many, but when he does, it seems to be after the 90th minute, and he just comes flying into the penalty box and finds a way to put it in the back of the net. And so while Roberto, you'd hope that he would score a little bit more from the midfield, particularly than he did, obviously, as a defender, he wouldn't have had much of a chance to. But from the midfield, if he can put a few goals in in the ways that he does, it's an exciting part of his game that, I hope continues to develop and Sergio Roberto still not necessarily in his prime still I think learning and growing and he's made such leaps and bounds and the defensive skill set that he learned at a right back last year if he can move some of those kind of things in the midfield even though the responsibilities are different whether you're a right back or a center midfielder your responsibilities are different Roberto's progression at all positions has been quite miraculous and to go back to where he's most comfortable I think we're going to be seeing a Sergio Roberto playing with the most confidence that we've ever seen him play with and that confidence is going to make him more dangerous than I think Kules have ever seen and that is a bright spot for Sergio Roberto and fans of Barcelona in general our last fan question of the day 
and I'm, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation on this, so apologies in advance, but on Twitter from Sohal, at Jakobian, asked how Valverde tactically may set up differently from Lucho, and what would be the key midfield roles he will need to do this? Well, Frances, I'm going to try to handle this one, and then you can fill in after. Is So looking at what Valverde has done so far in this preseason, so how that it looks like Valverde is going to be very, very similar to what Lucho's doing. It's, he has goals of pressing and being the Barcelona side of the past, and he's going to play that 4-3-3. And so while Valverde might, depending on certain situations, change things up and have a few formations in his back pocket, I think the Barcelona you're going to see week in and week out is very, very similar to the one you saw with Lucho, where Iniesta is really important. And as we had talked about in the previous show, says the most important part of what I think Valverde is trying to preach is to keep those lines stable and keep them connected and not take too much space between the forwards and the midfield and the defense and the midfield and to kind of keep everybody compact. And that helps with the pressing. It helps turn teams over in their own half of the field. And I think that's the way that Valverde used his athletic Bilbao teams. And that's exactly how he's going to use Barcelona, but by employing Barcelona's 4-3-3. Yeah, that's it. I, I agree. I agree with everything you said, and I've got nothing to add. <laughs> I was I was say a couple of things. Um, basically, Luis Enrique's 2015 Barca was outstanding, and we're only two seasons ahead of that. Um, with that in mind, that in my eyes, it makes very little sense to change everything and uh, start playing like say West Ham. You know, there's no reason. Barca plays in a particular way. We have been successful playing in that way. Uh, in terms of association, in terms of transitions, in terms of um, control of possession. So all of those bases need to stay. Uh, I think what Valverde needs to do is to ensure that the players continue to press high, that pressure continues to be across the pitch, that whenever we've got the ball, it, it flows rapidly to the front whenever needed. But if we need to control uh, the game, then we've got more possession in midfield. I think the basics of Barca are there. There is no reason to think that um, rivals have found an antidote to, to stop our game. They haven't. It's just we need to make sure that we execute it in the best possible way. And um, Valverde needs to ensure that that happens. And I'm, I'm, for what I'm seeing so far, I think that he is. So let's just keep that going and ensuring that this season is another successful one. Yeah, I agree with you, Frances, completely. Let's keep it going. And I would also say to our fans, let's keep this going as well as this will wrap it up for today. But as we continue to try to bring you great content and new shows, you can help us out by going to thebarcelonapodcast.com where you can subscribe, comment, and support the show by taking advantage of the many deals we offer. And we want to thank you for listening again. Do you listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you listen, Google Play. You can go on all of those different places and help us out. Give us feedback and help us to improve the show. And we do honestly take your feedback to heart. And we're trying to improve the show as we go week in and week out. And as we continue to bring you the hottest breaking stories from the camp, no, we're not going to waste any more time. It was a shorter show today, Frances, but we're going to wrap it up and say until next time, we'll talk to you soon in Forza Barca. Forza Barca. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.